welcome once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Jesus says that the peacemakers will be called sons of God, for it is Jesus, the Son of God, who is the great peacemaker. Michael Reeves, president and professor of theology at the Union School of Theology, continues the series Counterculture with this sermon entitled Blessed are the Peacemakers, which covers Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. For more information and to watch or hear other sermons, please visit our website at perimeter.org. Thank you for joining us today. Dr. Reeves is from the UK. And he is a dear partner and friend. I'm going to ask him to come on up. And uh, I'm going to share a little bit about about him. We have uh, connected primarily, he he and I have primarily connected over the last few years uh, via modern technology. Zoom and COVID has kept us from being in person together. You were with us in person, want to say, maybe four years ago? Something like that. that. And then since then, it's been all digital. You may remember he preached last year in March, but it was via screen, uh, Zoom. Uh, recorded sermon, and so it is so good to have him in person, and uh, he has become a dear friend of mine. I have read all of his books. I just got his new book that I'm going to tell you about in just a moment. When I say I just got it, I literally got it this morning, and because uh, it's hot off the presses, uh, but this brother's heart for God, uh, and one of his books is Delighting in the Trinity, so when I say God, yes, the Son, but the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is incredible. I have learned so much from him, and I'm encouraged for us to hear from him this morning. Let me tell you a little bit about him briefly here. Uh, Michael's the president of Union Seminary, which is in the UK. He's also a professor of theology and teaches in the areas of systematic and historical theology and is also on preaching and spiritual formation there at the seminary. He's a local minister. He's the director of the European Theologians Network, and he speaks and teaches regularly worldwide. Previously, he had been head of theology for UCCF and an associate minister at All Souls Church in Langham Place, London. He's married to Bethan, and together they have two daughters, Lucy and Mia. Let me tell you briefly here about the book. Get this book, read it. I haven't even read it yet, but I'm gonna tell you it's great because his other books are great. I have that much confidence in what you've, reached, what you've uh, written previously. This one is called Gospel People, uh, a call for evangelical integrity. In an age where, especially with our younger generation, deconstruction has become incredibly popular, this is a timely book. Helps us examine the word even evangelical. Can we continue using that word? Uh, now it carries with it a lot of mud, if you will. So he breaks that word down, and he ultimately calls us to be a people who stand on the truth of the gospel together in unity as gospel people. And so uh, he's going to preach to us in just a moment here. Uh, But for just a brief moment, he and I are going to step to the side because Davidson's going to come and read our scripture for us this morning. And then we'll do our prayer of illumination. And then Dr. Reeves will preach. Before Davidson reads, you'll notice he's not reading in English. In light of these go journeys, one of them that I mentioned is France. We have a partnership developing in Paris. Davidson was a missionary there for a couple years, and so he's going to read the Beatitudes for us in French, and we'll, you'll see it there on the screens in English. À la vue de ces foules, Jésus monta sur les montagnes. Il s'assit et ses disciples s'approchèrent de lui. Puis, il prit la parole pour les enseigner. Il dit, « Heureux ceux qui reconnaissent leur pauvreté spirituelle, car le royaume des cieux leur appartient. » Heureux ceux qui pleurent, car ils seront consolés. Heureux ceux qui sont doux, 
car ils hériteront la terre. Heureux ceux qui ont faim de soif de la justice, car ils seront rassasiés. Heureux ceux qui font pauvre de bonté, car on aura de la bonté pour eux. Heureux ceux qui ont la, le cœur pur, car ils verront Dieu. Heureux ceux qui procurent la paix, car ils seront appelés fils de Dieu. Heureux ceux qui sont persécutés pour la justice, car le royaume de cieux leur appartient. Heureux serez-vous lorsqu'on vous insultera, qu'on vous persécutera et qu'on dira forcément de vous toutes sortes de mal à cause de moi. Réjouissez-vous et soyez dans l'allégresse, parce que votre récompense sera grande au ciel. En effet, c'est ainsi qu'on a persécuté les prophètes qui vous ont été précédés. Thank you, Davidson. Let's read our prayer of illumination aloud together. Almighty, gracious Father, since our whole salvation depends on our true understanding of your holy word, grant us all that our hearts, freed from worldly affairs, may hear and understand your holy word with all diligence and faith, so that we may rightly discern your gracious will, cherish it, and live by it with all earnestness to your praise and honor through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Would you welcome Dr. Michael Reeves? Well, good morning, friends. It is just a pleasure to make our fellowship face-to-face. -face. It's lovely to be with you. And I love that I get to speak on this verse this morning. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. How appropriate for a speaker from a different country. For here we are together, different in how we speak. Sorry about that. <laughs> we have cultural differences, but I'm here over 4,000 miles from home, and yet here I feel at home. Because while yesterday morning I left my earthly family back home in England, I come here and I sense myself surrounded by brothers and sisters with the same passions, the same concerns, the same loves. And I, I found just while the skies have been shut over the last couple of years and I haven't been able to be over in the US at all, I found Jeff and I have kept up a little bit of correspondence, chatting to each other on Zoom, and just even through the technology, we've both enjoyed and sensed that brotherhood that warm brotherhood together. And this is more than just being members of some worldwide club where we have similar interests together. This is family. And I sense that. That usually you and I were on different continents about the same big things. But when we get to be face to face, we feel the warm affection of greeting each other as 
family. Isn't that an incredible transatlantic difference? Family. At the Tower of Babel in Genesis, the peoples of the earth were scattered and divided. Here, right now, Babel is being undone. And what we're going to see this morning is how. So Matthew 5, Jesus sits down on the mountain and he speaks his seventh beatitude. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. They should be called sons of God because they are like chips off the old block. Peacemakers are like God, who is, 2 Thessalonians 3.16, the Lord of peace and fellowship. For think about it. The living triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, has dwelt in peace-filled fellowship for eternity. The Father has enjoyed peace with his Son in the Spirit and enjoyed it so much he wanted to share it and that's why he created. That's why creation exists because the Father so enjoyed the peace of fellowship with his Son. He wanted there to be many sons for his son to be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And then, when God had created, he created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Loving Peace and fellowship, this God makes a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. He creates a family. He makes people designed for fellowship with each other. As the Father, Son, and Spirit have always known fellowship with each other, so we in the image of God, we are made for peace in fellowship. Now, of course, we haven't. We don't tend to value fellowship. At least we don't value fellowship quite as much as getting our own way. If there's a choice to be had, fellowship, get my own way, I choose get my own way. And so the story of the Bible turns very quickly from Genesis 1 to Genesis 3, where Peace is thrown away. As Adam and Eve turn in on themselves in self-love, they not only turn away from the Lord, they turn away from each other. And so not only did their relationship with the Lord break down, their relationship with each other broke down. Ashamed of their open nakedness, they 
hide before each other. They cover themselves with fig leaves. They begin to cast blame at each other. And before long, Cain is killing Abel. Lamech is dreaming of vengeance. And the world is filled with lovelessness. Malice. Fighting. But the God of peace doesn't give up. And so the father sends his son. And he sends his son first that we might have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace between God and man. And what a peace. God comes to be with us. It's not that God merely accepts us from a distance thinking, yes, yes, I'll have them as my people, but ugh. (laughs) He comes to be with us. He, He sends his spirit to be in us. And as a promise of his ultimate intent, the father raises a man the first fruits and promise, guarantee for all his children, he takes this one man, Jesus Christ, and he raises him to sit at his right hand on the throne of heaven. So that now, in Christ, a human sits next to God in perfect peace. Peace between God and man. But second, the Father sends the Son, not only that we might have peace with God, but also to reconcile us to each other. In order that one day, this fractured world might be a world of harmonious peace. If you want to turn to Ephesians 2 from verse 15, we see the Son's purpose. Ephesians 2.15, Paul writes, The Son's purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, that is Jew and Gentile, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away, you Gentiles, and peace to those who are near, you Jews. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So the Son reconciles And the spirit wins, male and female, black and white, Jew and Gentile, all to the same uniting love of God which spills over into a heartfelt love for one another as brothers and sisters. He unites us to the Son so that from all our different 
tribes of enmity from all our different places that we've come from, we're drawn together, given one spirit, and together we cry one cry. Together we all cry, Abba, as brothers and sisters of our one Father. For the new humanity of Christ is a family, the spreading family of the Father. Jesus could not have been clearer about his desire as a peacemaker. On the night before he was crucified, in his high priestly prayer in John 17, Jesus prays for you. And if you've never read that before, you should go and read that prayer later today. Jesus overtly prays for you to his Father. And here is his first prayer. He prays to his Father that all of them may be one Father. That they may be one as we are one. That they may be brought to complete unity. This is what he prays in his high priestly prayer. It's important, it is his high priestly prayer where he prays for unity. Because Psalm 133 says this, and I want you to hear how Psalm 133 puts two ideas together which don't obviously belong together. Ready? Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on Aaron's beard on the collar of his robes. What? What's that got to do with brothers living together in unity? Everything. Because the psalm is referring to the ordination of Aaron as high priest. And when Aaron was ordained high priest, what would happen is sacred anointing oil would be poured on his head and it would run down onto his body. Just so, Christ, of whom Aaron was just a picture, when Christ is the anointed one. Christ means the anointed one. When he is anointed, not with oil, but what the oil depicted, when he is anointed with the Spirit at his baptism, then just as the oil ran down from Aaron's head to his body, so the Spirit runs down from our head, Christ, to his body, the church. And the Spirit, the one true oil through whom the father had enjoyed that peace with his son the spirit would now flow down on believers that we may be one as the father and the son are one one with the Lord one with each other the spirit bringing brothers and sisters together in unity now, all this only makes sense because of the sort of God we have. 
Because God is a triune God, because the Son in John 17 could be praying to his Father. All this talk of unity just doesn't make sense if God is a single person. Now, a single person God would love the idea of oneness. He is, after all, one. But that would be a very different sort of oneness to what Jesus has in mind. So oneness for a single person God would mean sameness. So think about it. Imagine a single person God. He's been all on his own, solitary for eternity. He's never enjoyed being with anyone for eternity. So fellowship, harmony, valuing other people and their differences just doesn't compute for him. Think of how it works out for Allah, the most famous single-person God of world religions. Under Allah's influence, the once diverse cultures of Nigeria, Iran, Indonesia, are made deliberately, increasingly, the same. Allah likes oneness, meaning sameness, identicality. And so Islam presents one way of life for all Muslims, for all nations, cultures, one way of praying, one way of marrying, one way of relating, one way, many scholars say, of eating, one way of dressing, whatever your culture. But if that's what oneness means for Allah, oneness for the triune God means unity, not sameness. As the Father is one with his Son and yet is not the same person as his Son, so Jesus prays that believers may be one, but he doesn't pray that we all be the same. Created male and female, and with many other good created differences, we come together valuing the way the triune God has made us each unique. Which is why Paul could have a vision of the triune God and say of the church, there are different kinds of gifts, but the one spirit. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So it is not just that the Father, Son, and Spirit call us into fellowship with themselves. They share their heavenly harmony on earth so that people of different genders, cultures, ethnicities, interests, gifts, might come together in peace and love 
and that one day many tongues with one heart will cry, salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb on the throne. And that is what the family of God by its very existence bringing together us in our differences and yet united in our love for our Lord and for each other that's what the family of God makes known to the world that the God of harmony is the hope for world peace the only hope for world peace that he can and he will unite enemies rivals strangers into one loving family under his fatherly care blessed are the peacemakers for they will be like this God well okay but how? How can we bring about peace? What, what is God's key to opening the door to peace? We actually saw it when I read Ephesians 2 to you. Here's the answer. Jesus created in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body reconciled both of them to God. Do you remember the next line? Reconcile them both to God through the cross. The cross. The symbol of Christianity, the very heart of the gospel, is God's key to peace. So Jesus said in John 12, 32, I, when I'm lifted up from the earth on the cross, will draw all people to myself for a people alienated from God they find themselves drawn to a God they'd never dreamed of alienated from God they thought God was a monstrous tyrant in heaven not interesting they merely had to appease him but they couldn't love him at the cross, they see an entirely different God. A God of love and compassion who dies so they can live. And they see, if that's who God is, then they're drawn to him and drawn together to him. Friends, there is no peace without the cross. There is no peace with God and no peace on earth. Only when he is lifted up. You see, I could preach all day. I'm not going to, don't worry. <laughs> I could preach all day on the importance of unity and peace and nothing much would happen because no call for unity however stirring can actually achieve unity 
So, you know, we could go away. I could preach for hours on the importance of unity and we all go, yes, good idea, and it'll fizzle away. Because some deeper work is needed in us for unity to be achieved. And what is that? Our devilish pride must be dealt with before our devilish discord disappears. Friends, humility is the only soil in which unity will grow. Only when Christ is more precious to us than our own reputations will we give up our petty rivalries and personal agendas. Only when his glory eclipses all else in our eyes will we live for him and not for another purpose. The peace and unity we so desperately need will be, friends, the fruit of a fresh humbling before the glory of Christ. It is only the gospel, the good news of Christ our Savior, that creates true peace. The gospel creates peace. And the gospel defines peace. Can I do something ambitious with you just for a moment? Can I give you the book of Romans in a nutshell in 90 seconds? I know you guys can do it. I, I, I trust you. You're, you're, you're well up for in-depth Bible probing. Let's do it. 90 seconds. Let's try to do Romans. Are you ready? You can have it open in front of you if you want. Here we go. Here's Romans. Romans 1 to 11, Paul says, here's the gospel. And it works like this. Romans 1 to 4... He says, here is the redemption of the Son. The Son's once for all redemption of lost sinners so that they can be justified, declared righteous because of his kindness alone and not because of anything they've done. Romans 5 to 8 then goes on to talk about the Spirit's work of regeneration, of how... He gives new birth to the spiritually dead. Of how he gives new life to sinners and brings them to walk in the freedom of the Spirit. The redemption of the Son, the regeneration of the Spirit, Romans 9 to 11, the revelation of the Father. For Romans 9 to 11, is basically a defense of Paul's statement, it is not as though the word of God has failed. There's the gospel. It's a biblical gospel. There's the apostolic gospel about the Father's word. It's the gospel made known in Scripture. About it's a Christ-centered gospel about the Son's redemption and it's a Spirit-filled gospel about the Spirit's work in our hearts. There's the gospel, Romans 1 to 11. But then, Romans 12. 
Paul appeals to the Romans to live as people of the gospel. And he calls them amid their differences love one another with brotherly affection. So Paul recognizes you've got a common gospel, Romans 1 to 11. But there are going to be a number of things you disagree on. In Romans 13 and 14, we see them. You're going to disagree over what you're allowed to eat and what you're not allowed to eat and drink. You're going to disagree over whether some days are more special than others. And some of those things can be important, some of them less important. You will have disagreements. But he asks them, don't judge or grieve each other over those sorts of matters. Now what's striking is the difference to Galatians 1. In Galatians 1, Paul sees the Galatians turning to another gospel. And he says, if I or even an angel from heaven should preach to you another gospel, if anyone should do that, let them be accursed. But in Romans, it's not the gospel that's the cause of a disagreement among Christians. You see then for Paul, the gospel is not a matter over which we can cheerfully diverge. The gospel is what unifies us. But the people of the gospel, while never leaving the gospel, can exercise graciousness with each other over other matters over which we can disagree. In fact, Romans ends on these words. Paul writes, watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles. Watch out for them. Because that is what it means Paul's setting up Romans to say, this is what it means to be people of the gospel rather than people of a sect, a club, a cabal, a party. Romans shows us what it looks like to pursue what makes for peace. We see the peace that Paul desires does not mean agreement on everything. Nor is it unity at any price. It is certainly not unity at the cost of gospel clarity. Peace is striving side by side together for the gospel. It is faithfulness, loving faithfulness together. In Romans, Paul shows how in the church we can see an end to all the tribalism that splinters the people of God, that elevates other issues to the importance of the gospel. We can see an end to that and we can see an end to the treachery that gives up the essential truths of the gospel. In Romans, Paul shows us true peace neither splintered and tribal nor giving up the gospel but standing together 
And isn't that, dear friends, the desire of every healthy believer? To see the people of the gospel united in their stand for the gospel. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior, crucified for us, is the only hope for peace with God and for peace on earth. My dear brothers and sisters, to be peacemakers, be people of the gospel. Before all else, because peace will only be achieved by the working of the gospel. When the Son of Man is lifted up, drawing people together to himself. Brothers, sisters, when Jesus is magnified, when Jesus is more glorious to us, when he is marvelous to us, then our selfish ambitions and our viciousness will melt away and we'll be drawn together into a shared adoration. In our fractured, torn world, he, lifted up, is the hope of peace. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, as the Greeks said in John 12, we want to see Jesus. May he be lifted up in our sight to be more glorious than anything else so that we live for him and not for anything else, so that we are one in spirit. Make us, we pray, people of the gospel, of the good news of the cross. And so may we work together across the world to bring peace with you and peace on earth. Blessed be your name forever. In Jesus' sweet and strong name we pray it. Amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Sermon Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and to find other sermons from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.